Reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered together and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon My slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out My Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 7, <clears throat> beginning with verse 37. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, He cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to Me. And let the one who believes in Me drink. As the Scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. This is a great story. A people who are tired of being afraid, a people who are broken down because this man they've been followed was crucified and buried, has been raised, and there's excitement in their lives, and they're wondering what's next, and they're gathered and waiting. And all of a sudden, there's a rushing wind. Apparently, we had a rushing wind. There's a big limb laying down out in the churchyard. Rushing winds move things, and these people are getting moved. Something's about to happen in their lives that's going to change the world. And it's going to happen because God wants it. And because God said it would happen. Through the prophet Joel. And we can wrestle with Joel's words and and wonder about the eclipse this summer. Does that mean it's the end of the world and Jesus is coming? Well, I hope so, because I'm ready for Jesus to come. But I doubt it. But for Peter, what Joel was talking about had started that day. It was the end then. The new beginning had come. The giving of God's Spirit in the world. And when God's Spirit is in the world, there is always new life. In the beginning, we're told. In the book of Genesis, the Spirit of God, the wind of God, hovered over the waters of creation. And life came. And today we hear the story about the Spirit of God hovering over the lives of the disciples. And God comes. And everybody thinks they're drunk. Would that we would be in the world with such ecstasy about Christ that people would say, you know, I think Jim's drunk. He loves Jesus too much. Wouldn't that be great if people saw us, what are these Christians high on that they're so happy all the time? And joyful all the time. How is it that they're filled with such ecstasy and love for God? How is it? I love Peter's response. It's not drunk. We're not drunk. It's just 9 (laughs) o'clock. Makes you wonder what was going to happen at 3 o'clock, doesn't it? But what what if the church was so alive with the Spirit that that's how people reacted to us? You know, these days people think the church is just in the hating people business. Because that's what the news tells them, right? They don't know about all the good things we do in the world. Well, because we're afraid to tell people because we don't want people to know we're Christians. Apparently, all of a sudden, we don't want our neighbors to look down on us and call us troglodytes because we believe God created the earth or because we believe in this fairy tale about some guy who rose from the dead. So what? Take the risk. Let them think you're ignorant. Let them think you're stupid. Take the risk. Let the Spirit settle into your heart such that you can't help but overflow in the lives of people around you. Why fight it? It's what God wants for you. It's God's beautiful story for you that you will become a witness that God is pouring out God's Spirit on you women and on you men. Not these people way back then, but all of us. This story is about you and about me. But I noticed something this week. Walmart does not have Pentecost doves out in the holiday section. I am offended. They had Santa Claus... They had nativity cards. They had little Jesus in the manger cards. They had Easter cards, Easter bunny junk, right? You know, one time there was a, a Methodist church across the street from a Lutheran church. The Lutheran church said, had something up about Jesus showing up on Easter, and the Methodist church was competing by that by bragging that they had the Easter bunny coming. Have you all ever heard about that? I have been determined to use that as a sermon illustration for a really long time and never could find a good place, so there it is. We could come out of the woodwork on Christmas Eve, right? We show up on Easter because Mama told us to. 
On Pentecost? I don't know. On Pentecost? Maybe not. Well, what would happen if God didn't give God's Spirit? Would there be a church? Everybody say no. No! My sister Faith sitting up there with tongues of fire on her head. Faith, I hate to do it to you, but you've got to come up here and let them see that. Please? Pretty please? Jackie, come with her. You might not know it, but the children at Adna are on fire for God. Did you know that? The children at Adna love Christ, and they're not ashamed to stand in front of you with tongues of fire on their head. Why should we be ashamed to go into the world and stand in front of people with the Holy Spirit in our hearts? It's a good question, isn't it? Were they afraid to come up and stand here? Did they act like it was going to be a threat to their lives and their existence if somebody knew that they loved Jesus? No! What about us adults? Maybe it's our turn to let some tongues of fire be placed on our heads and walk out of here today. Maybe it's our turn to get over our pride, get over ourselves, and go out and be Jesus' people in the world. Be brave. Be confident in Christ. Trust that Christ is with us. Trust that God has come in the Holy Spirit to comfort us no matter what. Hey, y'all can go back now. Thank you. Do you know what the promises of God are for the Spirit? Here's a couple of them. From John 16, verse 7 through 11, we're told that the Holy Spirit will convince us of sin, that the Holy Spirit will also then convince us of righteousness and lead us to repentance. Why? So that we can feel guilty? No, so that we can be made new. So that we can have new life. The Holy Spirit calls us to salvation. In John 14, the Holy Spirit, we're told, is our advocate, our counselor, our comforter. The one who comes to us to be the Spirit of truth. In Romans 8, Paul says these words, The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Did you know that God's promise for you, dear one, is that when you feel weak, the Holy Spirit will be your strength? Then when you don't know what to pray, when life so overwhelms you that you can't even think of the words to say, that God's Spirit prays in you. 1 Peter, we're told that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, which is the church's word for making us holy, which is the church's word. Holy is the church's word for set apart, to be God's people in the world. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, doing that in you. That is a beautiful promise of God for us. In Romans 8, we're told that the Holy Spirit gives us life and will one day raise us from the dead just as Jesus was raised from the dead, but that for now the Holy Spirit gives us Christ's life even today. When in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come to the people of Christ to enter into the new creation. Why in the world are there not Pentecost decorations? I have a theory. Because the church isn't living like a Pentecost church. 
Right now, the church is just trying to be another relief agency. We're trying to be the Elks that aren't offensive. We're trying to be Rotarians and people who don't offend people by making claims about Jesus. We're trying to be people who just go out and help people aside from go out and tell them that Jesus died because of their sin, that the world is in sin and needs relief from it, that Jesus came to give us freedom from it. And we're not doing that because we're afraid of the Spirit given to us to enable us to do it, because we're afraid that that Spirit will get us called drunk. And people will say, well, you're not like us. To which our reply should be, I'm grateful. I would love that you knew Christ as well. God's Spirit poured out on us, dear ones, is the promise of our baptism. God's Spirit alive in us is the promise of our baptism. God's Spirit transforming us is the promise of our baptism. It is what is given to us in faith, even for those of us here today who are not baptized. The faith that brings you here today means that Christ is in you and the Spirit of God is alive in you, working in you to cause you to have new life in Christ. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Jesus said that that Spirit would overflow from us like living water. That God's desire is to pour us so full of love, joy, peace, and the fruit of the Spirit, so full of God's presence, that that presence is known in us to those around us. That we become so wet with God's Spirit that everyone around us becomes drenched. I have to be honest with you, it sounds like a better plan than mine. It sounds like a good idea. As we come to Christ's table today, to encounter the risen Christ in the broken bread and the cup, as we come to take in our very hands the life and grace of Christ, as we come here today, Why not ask God's Spirit to move in your life in a radical and new way so that you could be that person that God wants you to be? A person whose life overflows with the love, the joy, and the peace of God.